Hello and welcome to episode 240 of Life Song Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. I'm Blake Shankel. And I'm Mike Wells. Welcome into the program. Welcome into the show, guys. How are you? Doing good. It's been a great week. Been a great week. What did you do to this week, Mike? I did a lot of sermon prep, man. A lot of sermon prep? Sermon prep, getting ready for, for school. We started class this week, mm-hmm. and so i uh, been getting ready for my Bible classes, and, and all of it has been uh, good busy, like a good busy kingdom work. Kingdom work is always good. Blake, could you put the phone down and join the show? Yes, I can. I'm sitting in reminder so I can turn my See, I'm doing kingdom work over here, getting ready and uh, in the Word, and he's over here on Facebook. Playing Candy Crush. <laughs> Here's the problem. If I don't plug that refrigerator in, we're not meeting back in this room for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, we have to We have to unplug the refrigerator and the fan and the air conditioner and uh, everything in this room because these microphones pick it up and you can you can hear all the back. So we have to make it a completely silent environment. We try. Yeah. So that's what I was doing, setting a reminder to turn my refrigerator back on. So how was your week? It was good. Good. Traveled a little bit. Going on traveling again for the... Fourth week in a row, finally, after this week, I can kind of settle down a little bit, but it's been good. That's good. That's good. Well, I want to make kind of an announcement before we get started, if that's that's okay with you guys. I mean, we we, we here know the announcement, but our, but our listeners don't, and I just want to say that we've had some conversation uh, this week with... Uh, with uh, Brother Michael here, and he has agreed to, to come on board and join the uh, Life Song staff full-time. Yeah. So... Uh, Excited to have you, Mike. It's going to be great. I appreciate y'all thinking about me. It's it's been a lot of fun coming in and filling in for you know Phil Blake and um and and to be able to be a part of of such great work being done here through this radio. And so it's going to be an exciting journey having all all four of us on here. Probably argue a little bit back and forth, <laughs> and make fun of each other. So it's going to be good. Well, we're like minded in the fact that we love the Bible, we exposit the Bible, and. Uh, so it, it makes it a little bit easier to to, sure. to get along. And <laughs> I think the beauty of having four of us here around the table gives us a chance to I don't think we'll be able to say once we get done with the text that we didn't cover that very well, that we missed something. I think all of us bring different perspectives uh, to the table every week. And we can we can say that, that, yeah, that everything that was really explored in that text and we uncovered every stone that, that was there to uncover. Yeah, and I think what people are going to see, too, is just a genuine love for each other and the fellowship that we'll have as we mm-hmm. as we walk through this text. I mean, because we know as, as brothers in Christ, um, we're looking at the text. We're going to exposit the text uh, as best we know how and as, as it's been illuminated to us by the Holy Spirit. And look, we're going to have differences, too. Yeah. And, but through those differences, we're going to love each other through that as well. So yep. absolutely. absolutely. So real quick, we haven't done this, and, and I wanted to do that. It's the reason I wanted to make the announcement is I want you to more in-depth introduce Introduce yourself to our people. Okay. Jimmy, you always want to throw these questions at me when I'm unprepared. Um, <laughs> well, first and foremost, I, I, you know, I'm married, my wife, Elena, and we have uh, three kids together and uh, two daughters, a son. Um, you know, we both teach at TCA, Tipton Christian Academy here, here locally in Covington. And, um, you know, she's an art teacher and I have the privilege of being the Bible teacher for our upper school kids. And so, you know, my day to day is 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 really pouring into the next generation. The These students, uh, biblical truth. I, I'm covering apologetics, man. We're covering worldview studies, looking through the text from from all the way from Genesis to Revelation, everything. So when I say I get to do kingdom business all week long, like I, I literally get to do kingdom yeah. business all it, day long. It's funny. You know, Mike is uh, is a teacher to, to my two older kids and uh, my, my the worst ones in the class. <laughs> <laughs> and my oldest son, uh, Tanner, came home last week and he had his textbook from your class. And he said, he said, hey, daddy, can you can you uh, 
uh, helped me with some of my Bible sometimes when I need it this year. And I said, well, let me see your book. And he handed it to me. And I started skimming through it. And I said, son, I think I'm going to need to take the class with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So his son's going through that worldview class. And it does cover a lot of six major worldviews today that we do see. And, and that's going to be an interesting class. But uh, I also am a pastor at uh, Central Life Church in Brighton. We church planted about uh, two and a half years ago. And, and things have been going great there. Uh, me and my wife prior to that were, were youth pastors. And so God's really brought us down, you know, through this journey, a call to the ministry, um, one that is not easy uh, to accept. But I, I know based on my time in prayer and, and through the, the power of the Spirit, man, it is no doubt in my mind God has called me yeah. uh, to the work in the kingdom. And, and so it's been a blessing and an honor to to pastor over that local congregation. And then uh, now a new journey. I mean, starting this with you guys, being a part of Life Song. Um, look forward to getting to know uh, the listeners a little bit better and them to know me uh, as we walk through this together. Well, another thing about Mike that some of you may or may not know that Mike and I went out of the country recently together uh, with uh, with another group of guys. But Mike was my roommate. And so uh, he got a chance to see uh, Jimmy real intimately. <laughs> we had to share a bed. <laughs> I got to tell a real quick story real quick on that. Because we were one night we were um, oh, it was goodness. real late at night. Lights are off. We're in a foreign country. Actually, and, uh, yeah, the electricity goes off. The electricity goes out. And in as the it, middle of Pakistan. This is isn't a short story, by the way, from what I've heard. It's going to be real quick. And so as it goes out, I wake up and I hear there's a, there's a security guard outside and he's walking and he's, and he's got a whistle that he blows ever so often and lets him know where he's at. And so we, we had heard that. Well, then I see a flashlight come through our window and I'm thinking, man, we are getting it. We are, we're getting raided right now. Like something's about to go down and I, I get Jimmy's up and I'm like, man, just stay here, <laughs> which I have no clue what I'm going to do. I, I don't, I didn't have, Mike a, I didn't the have room. Okay. okay. So we're in Pakistan, <laughs> 98% Muslim. And we're in this, uh, we're in this teaching center, but it that's, gets rented out, but we're Christians that have rented this, this place out. And so we're behind walls, gated walls, you know, nobody is allowed in unless they're supposed to be there. And so there's a flat, the electricity's out. There's a flashlight coming outside of our bedroom window, uh, not outside the door, but inside the hotel inside the facility. Yeah. And, uh, and so Mike gets up and he says, I'm going to go check this out. And I'm like, dude, where are you going? He's like, it's okay. I was in the military. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Chuck Norris is with me. Yes. <laughs> So I get out there and then next morning we're, we're telling our buddies about it that are with us and come to find out it was just another one of the guys on the trip trying, trying to, to get trying internet to, access. Trying to connect to the Wi-Fi. And this is like three o'clock in the morning and we're like, dude, you scared the mess out of us. <laughs> I thought I was about to take somebody down. It was a great time. It was one I'll never forget. I mean, yeah. Definitely. But anyway, uh, I know we, we, we've gotten off topic. Our, our main topic and our main goal here today is to, is to exposit Romans 6. And to finish out the chapter, if we can, we're gonna let Blake read because he ain't been saying much already, and he normally takes up about five out of the four minutes. So <laughs> Romans chapter six, we're in uh, <clears throat> last week. Let's just back up just real quick. We're in a this uh, study, and we're we're focusing on this section of sanctification, and uh, Paul's been painting this contrast and that who we were before our salvation was. You know, we were ultimately uh, we were slaves to sin, and. And so Paul has gone through that, and now he he's showing us how we're no longer as Christians. You're no longer slaves to sin, but yet you're slaves to Christ. And and so we were held captive 
uh, early, you know, before our uh, before our conversion, we were held captive only to obey our old nature, only to obey the sin, the the world, and the flesh, and the devil. That was all we knew. That's we wallowed in it. We loved it. We we served it. Man, we served it great. To be honest with you, we served that master wonderful. But now that we've been justified in that justification, we we serve a new master. Uh, we go from slavery of one to a slavery of another, and that's what we'll continue on today. And and so that kind of brings us back up to this. And so I uh, we think we're going to run and start in verse 17. We covered it last week a little bit, but yet uh, we, we we had to rush through it. But that's going to leap us. Uh, it's going to really springboard us into verse 18 and then on through the rest of the chapter. So, yeah. Before you start it, if you'll go back and listen, if you missed last week's program, if you'll go back and listen, you really get to see the two faces of Blake between last week and this week. Last week, he was using antinomianism and all these huge words. <laughs> this week, he's talking about watering around in it. Cognified. <laughs> yeah. So. We might get some big words in here today, too. We need to expand our knowledge. Oh, yeah, last week it was the big words. This week it's the Waller right. and the Redneck words. Right, right. So. Well, I'm, I've been <laughs> chastised, so <laughs> I'll keep it simple today. Verse 17, we'll let the Word of God speak first. How about that? There you go. Verse 17 of chapter 6, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as a slave to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from things of which you are now shamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome of eternal life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we ask that the Holy Spirit come and reside uh, just within our Bible study today. We know he's in our hearts. We know he's always amongst us, Father, but we ask that we just pray that he continues uh, opening our hearts to this wonderful message, Lord. We pray that he opens the hearts of our listeners to this great message, to the Word of God, Father, empower us, Lord. Just um, um, open our spiritual eyes so that we may see this truth, Lord. Uh, we trust in it, Father. We thank you for uh, raising us from the dead, Lord, and 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 bringing us into a new life, Father, making us a new creation, enslaving us to God, Father. We trust your word today. We honor it, Father. May we uh, may we do it justice, Lord. We love you, praise you. Amen. 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 So, Paul, he here he's <clears throat> this verse. We I, I kind of liken this, and I, as I was reading through this, I see these two major buts, and he gives these contrasts, and that's what he's doing throughout the, all of chapter six. He's just giving these compare and contrasting. Really, if you think about this, who you once were. And who you are now as a Christian, right? And and that's 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 what he's doing. And ultimately, again, like we talked about last week, he's just pressing the point even further, even further. So what we see here is is I think any time you come the word but, I think you need to circle that, do some kind of understand that because here, guess what? Something is coming that he's contrasting something, and it's usually pretty important when he says this. But and here's where it goes. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, and and we talked about this a little bit last week, Mike. But who does he give praise to? Praise to God. Yeah. So the salvation is of the Lord, right? Absolutely. The salvation is nothing of Jimmy. It's not nothing of Mike. And we talked about this last week that it's all of uh, all of God because we can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can't save ourselves. And another th- thought off of that is is we we talked about this a little bit earlier today in church. But but one of the things that we get so messed up is not only salvation is of the Lord. I don't have anything to do with my salvation, but also my salvation has nothing to do with me. That's right. Right. God doesn't save me 
for my pleasure. God doesn't save me to make me happy. God saves me for his glory. Absolutely. It's it's all for his glory, right? right? Uh, sola Dea Gloria, right? For his glory. That's the pinnacle of the, the five solas, right? I mean, it starts with sola scriptura, right? That's our basis. And then it works up in Christ alone, in grace alone, in faith alone. Any one of those pillars drops. And God doesn't get the glory, right? And it's Absolutely. God, it's a triangle. It's likened to a pyramid. And the top of it is, is all for God's glory. Mm. Everything is for God's glory. He even uses evilness. Though he's not the author of it, he even uses evilness. He uses those sins in our lives to bring about glory for him and his, for him, truly, but also his people as well. So because Christ says, May, maybe we'll be glorified, right? In yeah. his high priestly prayer, he talks about the glory. You as believers will be glorified as well. And then we'll get to some of that glorification as well. But God ultimately gets the glory. So it's all for him. And I think Paul right. makes this, he makes this statement before he goes further is, but thanks be to God. And then he, look at what he keeps saying here. He keeps saying, Mike, he says, uh, that though you were once slaves of sin, a past thing here, speaking mm-hmm. to the believers. Guess what, Jim? Guess what, Mike? We, as a Christian, we were once this. We were once slaves to sin. No matter how much we grew up in church, no matter how many Bible studies we went to, no matter that our parents sprinkled at us at a young age or or whatever, even if you maybe even were baptized at a young age, but yet did not know the Lord, guess what? This was you. You were slave to sin. That's right. And I think Paul does this a lot when he is writing out his letters. I know uh, when you look back at his letter to Titus, he's writing to Titus and in Titus chapter 3, um, verse three, he says, listen, for we too were once. And then he starts listing these things out. He says, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. Mm-hmm. See, Paul over and over when he's writing these letters, he always reminds us of who we were. Yeah. Right. And then we talk about, but thanks be to God. Thanks to God. And he goes on even in his letter to Titus. But when the kindness of God, our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, who saved us? He saved us. Not by works of righteousness. And so this is just something that Paul does over and over and over again. And we see it again here in Romans. And it's a beautiful reminder for us uh, as we evangelize and we go out and talk to unbelievers in the world uh, and share the gospel. uh, You can't really share the gospel, the gospel that saves the power to salvation without. uh, It's not all about the good news. The good news is great. The good news of God is, is what he's done for us. But also without the without bad news, there's no good news. And we have to give them that condition. And that's what Paul does consistently. He gives us that model of when we share the gospel, which he does so well through throughout his writings, is you've got to give people their condition. You've got to give them the bad news before yeah. you can give them the good news. Let me ask this question to you guys. Why do you think it is, though, that Paul constantly over and over again in his letters is having to remind believers Remember who you once were. Why do you think that is? Because we we forget. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> That's we're, right. Yeah, we're finite creatures, right? Mm-hmm. We're finite. We're that the sin. We've talked about this. Our sin nature continues within us, right? We have this. This our mind is still. It's unredeemed. We have it, and we won't be in that glorified body. So, well, guess what? We forget. We we our heart deceives us at times. We want to say, "I am this this person that I'm not." But yeah, Paul continued to remind. Why why do we continue to remind ourselves of who we once were? Because the gospel. That's what the gospel is. That's, it's right. a continual exactly reminder right. of who you are and who who you aren't, <laughs> who you are, but who you aren't as well. And that's Christ. You're not Christ. Yeah, we can't we can't ever get to a point where we forget what God saved us from. Mm. If we ever forget what God saved us from, then we're going to wind up mimicking 
the people that that, yeah. that he saved. Yeah. You know, but not not that we'll go back into sin and go back as unbelievers and unredeemed people, but we can begin to mimic and and, and start to do those sins again and start to to stumble. Because one of the things that that happens to believers, when, if they ever forget what God saved them from, is they become full of pride and pride. That's right. Yeah, I just spent time this morning talking to my congregation about just the importance of of characteristics that we as Christians should be marked by. Mm -hmm. And one of those is humility, uh, to to be humble about who we truly are and recognizing that that we're sinners and and to always remember who we once were, um, because that we are very tempted to go and 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 as we're sharing the gospel shared in a way that comes off uh very condemning as if mm-hmm. listen this is who you are and then forgetting who we were forgetting the fact that that we were once those things we were once foolish and deceived and disobedient and somewhere so, else in scripture i can't give you the verse and i think blake's going i don't know if that's where you're going now but it's in the corinthians i believe as paul is is given that list and he stops and says which were some are you yeah it's ephesians i was ephesians, gonna, yeah it's ephesians chapter two Verse three, that's that's good. Let's just read that. It kind of ties in with what Mike read earlier. But uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse three says, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Here's that. But God, right. Mm-hmm. Being rich in mercy. You know, that's but he gives this contrast. This is who you were. And even Isaiah says this. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Mm-hmm. Right. He talks about when he goes to heaven. Right. And what does he do? He puts the coal upon his tongue. Right. It, it, we're, man, we're sinful. We're yeah. sinful people. And guess what? We're still sinful as Christians. We're still sinful. That's what we do. We're sinners. We're sinners, yet we're saints at the same time, right? We This spiritual warfare that we've talked about. And the thing about it is, is what Paul's making the contrast is, is before you were in bondage to sin. The unregenerate man, guess what? His will is in bondage. If, you're, if your mind and affections are in bondage, don't you think your will is in bondage as well? Doesn't your will yeah. go with your mind and affections? So goes your mind and your affections goes your will as well. Those two don't just go by themselves and your will goes in the other direction. They all three go the same way. Your will is what your mind wants it to do, right? So so the, and that's the regenerate person has been set free from that. They're no longer captive to that. So your affections, guess what? The things that you once hated, you now love. That's right. The, you know, the things that you loved, you now hate. Mm. And there's your affections. Now your will has been changed. He's like, I don't want to do that no more. So that's what Paul's doing right here is he's making that. And this is who we once were. That's And Mike, and Mike has a, he's, he says it exactly right. We need to remind ourselves of that. Paul, preach the gospel. Gospel to yourselves daily. Milton Vinsa has a has a book called The Gospel Primer, and it's a great little book, great little resource. If you can get it, hey, come find me. I'll give you a book, but it's great. It tells you how to preach the gospel to yourselves each, each and every day. The gospel is the key to our lives as Christians. It's the key to how we treat our wives, Jim, how we treat our kids, right? How we treat the people at church, right? Grace, grace. But guess what? Because we're sinners as well, mm. you know. So we we need to show grace there because God showed grace upon us, right? That while That's we were exactly sinners, right? Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to add, Mark? Well, no, I think I'm not sure if this was a verse Jimmy was thinking of earlier, but in First Corinthians four seven it says, For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? If in fact you did receive it, why do you boast? As if you hadn't received it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he's sitting there saying, look, why are you such a fathead when it comes to the <laughs> things that you think that you know? I mean, yeah. we act as if we have things all together talking about. Listen, these are people that 
that they know that, that they, they don't know the scripture. They're intelligent. And I mean, they can spout off verses left and right. But you know what? They don't act like it. That's right. Their actions are not. They're not. They're not lining up. They're with not their, lining up with, with their, their, their words. Yeah, that's right. So look here. This is what Paul says, Jim. He says, this is who you were. You became obedient from the heart. And I want to stop there for just a second. You became obedient from the heart. This you became. This is a radical change in the, in the believer's life. This is what's changed. This is Paul's describing something that's radically different in the believer. When you were justified, when you came to know the Lord, you became this. And this is in the passive tense, by the way, meaning if it was in the active tense, it was meaning that you did this, right? It mean you did this on your own, your own vision. But this is a passive meaning, meaning there's a, a, an agent acting yeah. upon that. And that agent exactly. is a capital A, and that would be God. Mm. God is the one who's who's doing this in your life. He's, you're, be, you're becoming obedient because of what God's done in your life. That means prior, we were disobedient, right? Yeah, so you, you became obedient from the heart, meaning Prior to becoming changed, radically changed, prior to justification, you were disobedient, and it was from the heart as well. It, your your total inability was 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 jacked up, was tainted, and it was disobedient. That's why Paul says in the beginning of chapter one, he says, "You're obedient from faith to faith." I think it was verse seventeen. You'll be obedient from faith to faith. When you become a Christian, and Paul's already harped upon this, is you don't just you don't become a Christian and then continue to be disobedient to God. You don't continue to just live in the sin that you used to do. You don't say, I, I'm good, and I'm just going to be disobedient. I'm still going to disobey the rules of God. I'm still going to disobey what the Bible says. Well, no, that's not what he says. You you became obedient to that. Jesus talks about this. As is, you, you will know if you're my disciple if you continue in my word. We need to continue. That's that's, that's obedience. Exactly right. mm. If you say, I'm a Christian, yeah, I've, been, I've done that. I've walked out and all that. But yet, when's the last time you opened your Bible? When's the last time you actually looked at what obedience actually looks like? Mm. Is God first in your life? Do you treat people the way that you want to be treated yourself? I mean, that, that's just being obedient. Yeah, and that's something that we have to remember is, is obedience. And, and I think a lot of times we get it twisted. And we know a lot of people out there, those of us here at this table, that, that would believe something a little bit different. But we've already been through this as far as works go. The obedience is not what causes your salvation. But you're, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus, if you're saved, then you are there will be obedience in your life and desire to be obedient to Christ. And if there's not a desire to be obedient, if, if doing the things of God and being obedient to the word of God is a burden to you, then I would uh, say check your salvation because it's probably not there. It's a thing that we need to constantly be be mindful of. We need to be, is God's word a joy to me? Mm-hmm. Is coming to his word a joy? Is, is Look here, is being convicted by his word a joy? You know, Mike, I was thinking the, the, the job of a pastor when he preaches is to bring conviction upon his people. With the word of God, mm. the people need to be stepped on by the word of God. The word of God needs to needs to hurt. Man, it needs to convict us of our sins. And and the Christian's the only one really that can be the one who's been saved can be convicted of the sin. Why? Because it's it's against God. Now there is a conviction right prior to you coming to know Him. Right? I think there's a repentance and all that. But yet we need to be convicted of our sin, and that's what the, the word does. But obedience brings about joy because again we're serving a new master, one that set us free. One that that loves us, one that wants to fill us with His grace and mercy and His treasures, and we're man, we're heirs to the throne, right? I mean, why wouldn't we want to serve this this yeah. God? Obedience comes to the fact that when I come to the Lord's Supper, I need to be repentant. 
I need I need to I need to bring I need to bring the right attitude. If I've got a problem with Mike, I need to go to Mike and say, Mike, man, we got some issues. We need to work out, you know. Hence that um, that I don't die that day. Mm. <laughs> you know, I need to be obedient in baptism. If I've been saved and I'm truly saved, I need to talk to the pastor. I need to be baptized, right? I need to be part of a church, not just building. You need to be part of a local church body of Christ. That's being mm-hmm. obedient. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much more to go into that, you know, being obedient to to being in the word and learning and 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 growing in the word, being obedient to to sharing and teaching and and making disciples. There's so much uh, obedience that that there's there that that what we miss. Yeah, there's so many people that sit in church their entire lives and feel like that, you know, we're I'm being obedient to God. But the thrust of their efforts is showing up to church, Mm -hmm. to a building on a weekly basis. Mm Go and going home and living their lives the way they've always lived them, but never being impacted and changed by the word, never taking the word that they heard preached that day out of that place and, and, and letting it impact their lives and applying it to their lives, but then going and sharing it with somebody else. Well, that's because their obedience only wants to go as far as their comfort level. Anything that's going to take them outside of that comfort is is not, nowhere that anybody wants to step into. And that's why you see, and I started to cut you off, but that's why you see so many people leave churches where you do. Blake was describing that, that we're, as pastors, supposed to be all up people's business supposed to step on their toes supposed to be and it's not just us but it's the word of god that's what the yeah. word of god does yeah. i've seen so many people leave churches that say man i i just left that church because i feel like i've been beat up every time i go there well you're not being beat up by the pastor you're being beat up by the word of god and there's nothing wrong with that yeah if i was to come up to you you're a believer and, and i was to come up and, and and give you a word of rebuke right if i give you a word mike man bible says this i'm seeing this in your life as a Christian, what do you do? It hurts, but guess what? And you're convicted, and you're like, "Yeah, you're right, Blake." You know, you may it may have to go home a little bit. It may be tough. There, there's there's different levels of rebuke. There's different levels of exhortation. But you may have to go home. But then ultimately, he's gonna if it's a correct rebuke, you're gonna you're gonna be convicted by it, and you're gonna say, "Yeah, I need to change my ways. I sure. need to be obedient to that." Yeah, and that's a part of that humility. Yeah. You can't have pride and, and resentfulness, you know, when somebody wants to come to you out of love mm-hmm. and and a brother who truly sees you walking in a way that is that is counter to the gospel, that is counter to what Christ has obeyed us to do. And then because if they were to allow us to keep on doing it, that's not love. It, it is not love to this continue watching a brother stumble in their sin and, and waller in their sin, if yeah. you will, and, and to say nothing about it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always sometimes use the analogy that it's like somebody standing on the tracks and watching the train come and nobody wants to go out there and, mm-hmm. and tell them that train's coming. Um, that's just not love at all. Yep. Um, but I see, too, this obedience, though. Um, you were talking, Jimmy, about how, how people come to church and they just kind of sit. They go home and, and nothing. They don't apply it to their lives. They're not the things that they're writing down and listening to uh, all it is is going in their ear and out the other um, th- there's no action behind it you know you look at James chapter one it talks about being being a doer of the word not just a, a hearer of the word right there, there's so much more to that that Christian life and 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 we hear we're not just to sit in church and kind of you know nod it man you know yeah that's that's good that's good and then write it down write a couple notes and then and then close that book walk out the church doors and never take action no mm-hmm. we are to do the word we are to be uh, placing our, our our actions, like I'm just talking about, to walk the things that we are talking. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's why today 
there are many people that that look at Christianity and say, man, them Christians always talk about, you know, living this life and, and doing this and doing that, but they're not doing it in their own lives. They're not even treating their their spouse the way they're saying that you should treat a spouse. They're not they're not raising their kids the way they're telling you you should be raising your kids. And see, that's a key. I heard a pastor say one time, uh, and I've heard Buffy, my pastor, repeat it, but I heard uh, I, maybe it was Adrian Ryan. I don't remember who it was that originated the statement, but he says there's five gospels. You know, there's five Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you, and most people are never going to read the first four. They're going to read you. They're going to watch you as a Christian, how you live your life, and you're claiming Christianity, and you're talking to me about Jesus is the is the only way to heaven, and Jesus you know, brings you this great life, but yet I see you smacking your wife, mm-hmm. and you're claiming to be a Christian. I see you I see you out of the bars every night getting drunk and, and going home at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and never seeing or spending time with your children. I saw you in Walmart the other day, kick your kid halfway down the aisle. You know, those are things that, that they're looking at. But yet you're speaking all this Christian stuff to me. I think I'm going to keep my life over here. Well, people use what we say uh, Christianese all the time, and, mm-hmm. and people don't quite understand the things we are saying. But but really, just to kind of sum everything that we've been talking about, I mean, the obedience, right? Be Obeying Christ, being in Christ. And as we're in Christ, our will starts to bend towards God himself. Yep. We are starting to to look more and more like Christ, Absolutely. right? And so as we do that, our actions start to look more and more like Christ. We start to be a little more servant minded. We start yep. to to love on others. We start looking and mm-hmm. and treating people with with some gentleness and and being able to humble ourselves and, and and swallow some pride and understand. Look, we weren't we once were absolutely foolish, yep. disobedient, deceived, absolutely. and all these things. We once you know we're in our sin. So yeah, no, that's good. Well, look at this. Look at the object of becoming obedient. Look at it. Look at this in verse 17. That's why it's important. This is beautiful. Becoming obedient from the heart. Look at what it's to, to that form of teaching to which you were committed to that form of teaching, which you were committed. This, this word teaching, it, it really, it means sound doctrine. Okay. And this is, this is key. This is, this is not just some philosophy. This isn't just something that empty religious tradition that we're talking about here. This is taking the Old Testament, the New Testament, putting it all together, speaking sound doctrine, right? Speaking the, the words of, of, of Christ, the words of Paul, the words of the old prophets of what God has laid upon his scriptures. And what does scripture have to say? And that's what we become obedient to, right? We become obedient, not to what Jimmy says, not what to the pastor says unless the pastor is preaching the word of God. So we don't we don't just come to some vain teachings and all. This is why biblical counseling is so important. Biblical counseling, I don't mean just Christian counseling. I mean biblical counseling. When, when you reprove a brother with the word of God, when you exhort a brother with the word of God, guess what? You are calling them to be obedient to a form of teaching is what you're doing, to the form of sound doctrine. And that's what we're to be preaching, Christians, is is that we're to be preaching sound doctrine. We're to be teaching sound doctrine. We're to be living sound doctrine. That's what it's about. So that's what he says the heart has become obedient to. That's how you change. And how you change is by the Word of God, by the Spirit who points you to the Word of God, who convicts you in the Word of God, who teaches you the Word of God. One other thing about this, in this word form, 
right? This word form has the striking a blow against something, right? It's this almost like a blacksmith when he strikes this hot iron. Guess what? He forms that indention into something, right? And that's and that's what he means. It's to, really to make this deep dent into somebody. And when he does that, here's the idea. It's the, that is the teaching of the word has made a permanent dent in the believer's life, if that makes sense. And he's saying that you've become to the form of teaching. So what has God done? God has formed this. We've conformed to this teaching in our life, and that's made a permanent dent in us. Mike, I would say, has expo- expositional teaching, sound doctrine, has made a permanent dent in you, has it not? Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking at that word form, too, I was I was looking here in my notes. I mean, so when we're first born, that form that we are originally in is is formed in in the shape of sin. I mean, because of our our yeah. sin nature being born in Adam, and then like you're talking about the the the, the pounding of this sound doctrine is conforming into Christ, mm-hmm. and there we see the work of sanctification once again yeah. taking place. It's blow after blow after blow, yeah. and what does that blacksmith have to do in order to form uh, anything? He has to put it to the flame, mm-hmm. right? He has to get that sucker hot, and then and each time he puts it in, he takes it out. What does he do? He hits it more and more, yeah. and it conforms into that shape, and then here we are being conformed into the image of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just can't emphasize enough, and I think Paul would emphasize enough is, is that you're going to be changed by the Word of God. And it's got to be sound doctrine. It can't be loosey-goosey, mumbo-jumbo stuff. It can't be something that's just soft, that just tickles the ear. Paul speaks about that uh, it, it, tremendously in other other scriptures. You know, it, it doesn't need to be from a false teacher. It needs to be someone who rightly exposits the Bible and teaches sound doctrine. That's how you're going to grow in Christ. Well, that's absolutely right, how you're going to grow in Christ. And you also have to be committed to going to the Word and having somebody in your life that can teach you. Uh, but you have to go be committed to going to the Word and, and praying that God would illuminate you to truth because a lot of times, you know, a lot of baby Christians, are up and under false teaching and don't know it because they don't know the word yet. And so as you grow, there's nothing wrong with realizing that you were wrong. You know, realizing that maybe I shouldn't be up and under this teaching as I've grown and and God has, uh, through the Spirit, has taught me. uh, Now I'm seeing that that maybe what I'm hearing every Sunday is not right. There's nothing wrong with getting up and leaving. Absolutely. Yeah, no, completely agree. But the only way you're going to know if somebody's teaching falsely is that you're in the word yourself. Right. You know, that's the only way to check yourself. And and someone asked me, you know, how do I how do I know this is true? You know, how am I supposed to know? Like when they when they I've, I've been in this discussion a lot. How are we supposed to know? I said. Does it conform to the word of God? Mm. You hold it up to the light of Scripture. Everything holds up to the light of Scripture. Everything has to. This is the foundation of truth. That's this it. is it. It, this is where look here, mathematics comes from God because mm. it's in order, right? It, all these laws of physics and laws. Guess what? They're God's laws. Mm. They're, they're, they're his. Everything conforms to the truth. And, and the truth is in the Bible. And that's your that that is your immovable object is the word of God. We'll keep going here. And he talks about this to which you were committed. We'll finish this verse up. Just a huge verse, just a wonderful verse. Could camp here for a long time, but to which you were committed. This too could easily be written. And I, I wrote it in my Bible as into you were committed. It, it really could mean that is kind of the way it was. If you were translating, it could be that the form of teaching into which you were committed. And, and this, this committed means to just be to, to delivered into another power. It's really paradigm. And we've seen this elsewhere. We've seen this in Romans chapter one, where God says, I've given them over 
to a depraved mind, meaning I've given them over to a different power, right? I've given them over, I've done, and I've given them over to the lust of their flesh. I'm delivering that, so you can go back and look at that in one. But look here, what he does here for the believer, he doesn't deliver you over to the depraved mind. That's for the the unbeliever, right? right he would deliver yeah. it, but guess where he delivers you over? Where he's committed to is to the form of sound doctrine and, to, and righteousness. That's that's what he's delivered us over to. Yeah. That's what he's committed us into. It's into him. This is what he's done, right? We were delivered over to God into a new life of righteousness. All right, moving on to verse 18. Uh, and, uh, and having been freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. So let me throw this out there real quick uh, before we jump into the, to the text. Um, so, so we go from being slaves of sin in, in verse 17, being freed, freed from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. So we go from slave to slave. These two verses right here, why it's extremely important to understand what the Bible teaches, because you can you can fall into some. I'm not going to say that it, that it really takes you wayward, but you can you can have some some strange beliefs, even as far as listening to worship music. I know there's a there's a worship song out there called Slave No More. No, that's not true. You might be saved, but you're still a slave. That's right. So what you're saying, Jimmy, is is that all believers have been transferred from one slavery to another slavery. Right, right, absolutely. It, it, so, so we're 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 slaves no matter what. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's so hard for us to wrap our minds around. We talked about this a lot a lot last week, but but you know, slavery has such a negative connotation to it, uh, just based here in America where we're at, uh, that that we don't want to call ourselves slaves to anything. We don't want to say that we're participating in anything that has to do with slavery. Well, guess what? You're not participating. God has made you that way. You're a slave to sin, and and if you're a child of God, you're now a slave to yeah, righteousness. Absolutely, yeah. Scripture clearly teaches that, and so yeah, having been freed from sin i just want to read this real quick john eight thirty six. if the son shall set you free you shall be free indeed so we see that the christ is the one that set us free he's, he's he's unshackled the chains guess what the cell door is open man and we are free and we serve a new master and we're going to get into that here in a little bit but we've been set free and so now we we are we are slaves of righteousness which is where be honest with you that's where you want to be. Right. And see here who we speak, the Romans, they understood sure did. this liberation from being the slave because the Romans who were enslaved could be liberated, I guess, emancipated from their slavery for a purchase price. Well, that's what happened to the Christian or to the non-believer was now bought off the slave rock by the purchase price of the blood of Christ. So they understood. That's why Paul was using this language. They really understood where he was coming from. And so speaking of that, did you have something to add? I just said that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that, so Paul just keeps drawing into this, knowing who his audience is, right? Could be speaking in in totally more mature things, right? You say, this is, this is basic. Like, yeah, that's what Paul's saying here is this is basic. But, but, and he, he says this, he says, verse 19, that, uh, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, meaning they're babes in Christ. These are young, uh, it may, could be immature Christians, right? Again, remember, he has not seen them yet. He's not come to them. And so he's understanding that that this is how he communicates, right? He communicates with an analogy of slavery and something like Jimmy just said, completely understand this. They can. There's some who are probably slaves at that day mm. that are receiving this letter. They're probably slaves at that day, so they can completely understand what slavery is. Right. And they, they know that... Um 
they could be freed if somebody would buy them off the slave block. And and absolutely that uh, now he's saying that you've, you've been freed from your sin because you've been purchased off the slave block or you're still a slave. But now you're a slave to Christ yeah. and, and, and to the righteousness, because if they were if, if a slave slaves could be sold. You know, they were emancipated from one master to another. So yeah. so one slave owner could go and buy the, buy the slave from you and they would become your slave. Well, that's what Jesus did. He bought you as a slave to sin and a slave to Satan. He purchased you by his blood. Sure. And now he's your master. Sure did. But the slavery under Christ leads to freedom. Oh, it's, that's it's, right. it's beautiful, beautiful terminology. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, then he just explains this, what he means here in, in, the, in, in, in verse 19. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. I'll stop right there. But, man, that sounds like something that we've already gone over. Right. That sounds like talking about presenting our members. All right. So early on in uh, verse 12, 13, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. So now he says, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity. So before, again, just another way of saying it, we we, we presented as non-Christians, Mike, we presented our, our members, eyes, ears, Hands, feet, mind, we, uh, that was presented as members of unrighteousness, is what he said. Instruments of unrighteousness, remember, warfare instruments. Now he uses slavery for that, right? He says, you presented your members as slaves to what? Impurity and to lawlessness. Before that, that's what we presented them to, right? We, we presented these things to do bad things, impure things, meaning sexual things for the most part. Eyes looking upon people with sexual lust, ears hearing hearing bad things containing impure things, right? Hands being used for impure things. And then he says here that and, and to lawlessness. Right. So he gives us these two things and lawlessness is just this it's this previous life of disobedience to the law of God. It That's is. Yeah, it goes back to your will point. I mean, mm-hmm. our, our will. So being in the state of sin that we that we were in Adam, we have no choice but to sin, Blake. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't. Yeah. Our will. You're talking about the mind, how it, it tells our will what to do. And so our will in Adam is bent towards sin. Yep. And every member of our body is bent towards sinning. And that's who we were before. And so then you start seeing um, also in verse 19, what is the progression of sin? Yeah. So so yielding the body as a servant to sin, then to uncleanliness and then to iniquity. So an inevitably, inevitably, it leads to more and more sin, does it not? It, it, absolutely it does. And that sounds eerily familiar to Romans chapter one. Mm. What we saw, right? We saw this give it, you know, them suppressing the truth and all unrighteousness, right? God is God has shown himself to all creation, right? He's he's shown his goodness to that. But yet we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Guess right from there, it's just a downward spiral into the cesspool of sin. And there like you exactly said, it's a progression of sin. And it goes in what does he say? It goes from impurity into lawlessness. And then he, he even adds on to what? Further lawlessness. Mm. It's just even further and further down into the deep pit. Sin doesn't stay neutral, by the way. Sin doesn't just stay in one place. As one that's un, that's an unbeliever, sin continues to get worse. And neither does the Christian. That's it. The Christian doesn't stay idle either. He that's didn't right. stay in one place. He's either 
progressing in his walk with the Lord or he's I don't want to say falling back because we've been in that conversation before. But what happens is it's not your, you, that you're falling back, but you're allowing sin to to reign in your life, even though you don't have to. Even though that bondage has been those chains have been broken and you've been set free, you can't allow sin to reign in your life again. What it will do is it will your Christian walk will develop a momentum of sinning. You'll, let's go back to what I said earlier. You'll get you'll go through a season of sinning. But the fact is, you got, you know, as a believer, you're going to be extremely convicted of it. But at some point in time, you're going to have to come face to face with it. And it might be when God takes you behind the woodshed and starts to spank you and beat you for it. Yeah, because he's right. not going to ever leave his child. He, he will dis God disciplines his children. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, And you've said it before. It's not a falling into sin. It's a, it's a stumbling into it. Right? right. It's not a falling back into it, but it's a stumbling into the sin. It's just, that's the difference. The Christian stumbles. Right. So but he's just he's just making another compare and contrast here. And, and, and this goes into what you were saying, Jim. He just goes on. He says, so. So now, again, a radical change, right? So now here's where you're at, Christian. This is what he's saying. This in, is what you should be. In yeah. the present. In the present, as, as you are, present yourself and members as slaves to righteousness. And then and here's that progressive sanctification, right? Here's this. Mm-hmm. This is where the sin doesn't stay neutral. I mean, you're, the Christian doesn't stay neutral, resulting in sanctification. We finally get to see this word sanctification, right? We finally, it, it comes to us, resulting in sanctification. Set apart. Separate it to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a result. So guess what happens when, when we present? Here's what we do. When we present ourselves, Mike, to, to God, when we do that, when we present our body, right? Paul says, present your body as a temple to the Lord. That's what we're to do. We're to present our body to that. And we need to get a, we need to get a grasp as Christians. We need to get a grasp on our body. We need to get a grasp on all our members of our body, our eyes. Jesus says, look, if you look, you know, look upon a woman with lust, you've, you've sinned. You need to, hey, look, if you have trouble looking at a woman with lust, if you have a trouble, guess what? You need to do whatever it takes and Christ likes it. Take pull the eye out. That's right. You know, it, 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 he goes to that extreme. He, he's not literally saying take that out, but that's the extreme that you should go. Turn the other way. Right. Hands. Hands need to be used for godly things. Feet need to walk to godly things, need to do godly things. Ears need to hear godly things, you know, righteous things. They don't we're, we're no longer presenting our members as un, to unrighteous. And, and Mike talked about this before, and you, you mentioned the ears, but it's 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 absolutely true. You know, the things that that come into our homes now on, on television and through our phones, you know, as, as a believer, they should they should bother you when you hear things that are not right. You know, wife and I were home alone last night and, uh, you know, just uh, happened to be one of those lucky situations where there were no kids there. <laughs> and so... Uh, we uh, yes, <laughs> we order food and and uh, sit down and we're getting to watch a movie and she was pick something on Netflix that she thought we would watch and then you know just a few minutes in GD you know GD this GD that and I said well wait a minute you have to pick something else because you know if you can't make a movie without saying that then it doesn't, that's, that's right. not going in our house we don't need to listen to that and that's starting to take captive those members of our body yeah. and 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 putting them towards righteousness the slave to righteousness because listen when we were in sin we were in Adam look you had no choice but to sin but now in Christ there's a there's a choice that takes place are you going to sin are you going to follow Christ are you going to obey Christ as Paul keeps reminding over 
and over and over again because believers don't have to sin. He's saying, look, don't sin. Don't do it. Obey and follow Christ and, and, and walk this out. Walk according to the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk according to the fruit. Walk in obedience. That's what Paul keeps reminding over and over and over again. Well, and it's this, this is, you know, and I may be chasing yeah. a rabbit, but this is why it's so important for believers especially young people who are not married to understand why Jesus says, don't be unequally yoked in your relationships. Because what happens is, is you wind up if you, if you like, like, like a believer, if, if I would have said, ah, just forget it. We'll, we'll watch it. We'll, we'll, you know, we don't believe that, but we'll watch it. What happens is when you allow these things into your life, they, they cause conflict. They do, whether you think it's important or not, uh, when you don't take controls of those members of your body and you allow the things like like on that movie that we were talking about, the, the, it can set the stage for conflict or compromise or, or, or you know, sometimes outright conformity just by thinking that it's all right. But that stuff brings issues into your home. You know, when you give way and you allow, give Satan any place in your home for that type of stuff, you think Satan is just going to come in and not attack the rest of your home by thinking, all right, I'll just give him a place here by, by watching this show that's got these bad words. And that's okay. That's all right. Because I know who I am in Christ. Listen, you give him any place in your home, he's going to attack your children. He's going to attack your wife. Yeah, and this goes back to things we've already discussed early in this chapter, right? Because when you do that, you say, oh, I'm, I'm covered by God's grace. I'm forgiven. Mm. You know, so this it's kind of like my free pass to, right. to to sin and allow these things into my home and and attack my wife, attack my kids, attack me and and myself and and so we go back just a little bit and he says, well, should we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Should we keep on? What does he say? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Do not give way. Mm. Again, we're to present our our members, and this goes beyond just. Hands, feet, eyes, it goes to the mind as well. We need to control what we think about during the day because everything flows from the mind, what we think about, right? And so the believer's mind is to be changed. If we have fo- get trouble focusing on things and we can't leave this one sin away, we need to go to the Word of God, right? We need to, and this is what Paul says in Colossians 3 2. He says this, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. So our mind should be constantly upon heavenly things. Every time we walk out of our door, every morning and and, and into the world, to our workplaces or to whatever, you know, we're in a battle. We're in a battle with the world. We're in a battle with Satan. Setting your mind on heavenly things, the things of above. That's why it is so vital, you know, not to sound legalistic or anything, but it is extremely important, I believe, for believers to to wake up and set some time in the mornings to have a quiet time and some time in the Lord, some time in prayer. Uh, and some time in the Word of God, because when you do that in the morning and you're able to saturate yourself in the Word of God, to saturate yourself in prayer, uh, not only for yourself and your day, but your wife and your kids and the people in your lives, when you do that, then you can go about your day and you've got an ability to, to, to handle those things that come your way from the world and come your way from Satan because you've already saturated and set your mind on the things above. You can fight that battle a little easier. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were just talking about this in biblical counseling the other day. It's it's important for scripture memory as well. As as you're fighting those temptations, right? We're going to be tempted, and I think this is important when when Christ when we well uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? That's not asking God not to tempt you because we know God's not the tempter. But what we're asking to do is is God He has the power to not lead us into that temptation. Well, who's the perfect example? 
Jesus was tempted just as we are. You know, Absolutely. we don't serve a high priest that, that wasn't tempted as we're tempted. He was tempted just while, just the way we were. Three times he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And how did he fight each temptation by, by with the scripture. word of God, with the scripture. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, absolutely. Is We need to be able to recall that word. Why? Because it focuses upon the heavenly things. It focuses upon scripture. Like, I'm not to look upon that woman with lust or, you know, I need, I need to know that those things are temporary, right? There's scriptures, there's proverbs that we can focus upon. Those things are temporary, but the things of God last forever, right? Yeah. And so we need to be, we need to be focusing upon those. We need to have, we need to be able to recall scripture but, and knowing that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation is overtaking you. This to the Christian that, but such as is common to man and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way escape also. So here's what it means is, is as you can't ever say that, man, I was just tempted and I was just no way I could get out of that. You know, he says, no, 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 no. As a Christian, you can get out of those situations. There's, there's always a way. There's always a way. Though you are tempted, you can get out of that situation. So nothing is beyond our capabilities. God will always, if you're faithful to study his word and to bury his word, God is always faithful to dig up what you've buried in your time of need. And so if you're faithful to, to just bury his word in your heart in those times of temptation, God will bring it to your mind. God will dig that yes. stuff up. It's up to you to be obedient once that happens. Yes. And don't yes. say, get out of my mind, God. I'm, I'm fixing to look at this woman. Yeah. No, you got to be obedient. He's bringing it to your mind. He's making you alert and aware of it. Now, what are you going to do? It's up yeah. to you to be obedient or disobedient. That's right. And that's what happens in the believer's life is the conviction of sin, right? This, this right. conviction. And having this word, is it is healthy because when you think about it, when somebody comes to you, and they want to deceive you by mm-hmm. by misusing the scripture. Well, who else did that? Satan exactly. did the very same thing. I mean, no. you talk about the example of Jesus and and Jesus knowing the word. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was unable to be tempted because he knew that is not what the word said. Well, he was the word. He was the word. Right? <laughs> but but this is why we have our sin nature. It's because from the very beginning, one of the masters at deception used the very word uh, words of God. To yep. confuse and, and to deceive. And, and so he's this still is still doing it today. He is still doing it today through through false teachers and heretics who are taking the word of God and twisting it uh, to tickle the ears of many people. And so when we are actually spending time with God in relationship with God and the spirit is illuminating us to truth, it is in moments where we are faced with uh, those deceptions to be able to call them for what they are and, and to speak truth over over any in anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So important to have, you know, just a, just an application, scripture memory, right? That needs to be. But here's why we do this. Here's how we present our members as righteousness to grow in holiness, to grow like Christ. That's what it says, resulting in sanctification. And all that means is, is to be set apart for Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to, this is, this is, this is what you do. You, do you want to see sanctification in your life? If you're praying for sanctification in life, guess what? Here's the, here's the remedy for the most part is, is present your members, mm-hmm. your eyes you need to be working on that. If you have a trouble, if you have trouble with, let's just, let's just do the tongue. I've used the eyes too many times for lust, you know, uh, but the tongue, if you're having trouble with cussing, Maybe gossiping, maybe slandering and stuff. Guess what? Look, we need to get a hold of the tongue. Tote those thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ, as first as Second Corinthians chapter ten tells us. Take them a captive. And so this is how we grow in godliness. That's right. Is by presenting our members to righteousness. If you're a believer 
sanctification is a given. Sanctification is an obligation of God to conform you into the image of Christ. So you will be sanctified. You will have conviction over your sin. But as I said a minute ago, it's up to you whether you're going to obey or disobey. And if you're disobedient, that's what leads to the discipline of God, because God will discipline his children. Absolutely. So these verses here, guys, they help us really to understand what happened when we were born again. This is what happened. This is a radical change in the believer's life. And I think for our listeners, and I think just for us, is just to evaluate it is, is, has this radical change happened in your life? Are you struggling to obey God? You know, is this a, or, or is it, is it really not, maybe not just a struggle, but is it more of like, you don't want to obey God? You don't want to read his word. You don't, you know, but yet, you know, maybe you're listening to this and, but he says, you will be changed. You will be sanctified. And, and like Jimmy said, there's possibly discipline in, involved in that. It, and it will be, it, there's, there's varying degrees of that as well. But, you know, we may not have, have understood this rightly when we were converted. It, these are truths that just come through reading the word, right? But nevertheless, it took place. And and so what we're to know is, is this. I think this is what he's to know is that you were once enslaved with sin. You were once a great sinner before you came to Christ Jesus, before Christ called you from the grave, before God saved you, before he placed his righteousness upon you, right? You were once a great sinner. You once loved it. You once uh uh, just were filled with it. That's all you wanted to do. Ate up with it. Ate up wallering in wallering. it. <laughs> That's all you wanted to do. But Christ being the great Savior, Christ being merciful, saved us, right? Called us from that. Like Jimmy said earlier, bought us off the slave block with his own life. With his own life. I mean, he just completely just poured out everything he had upon the cross. And he bought us and he redeemed us and he paid the price for us. Not only did he buy us, but he satisfied the justice of God that needed to be satisfied. Propitiation. I told you I was going to get a big word in today. Propitiation. <laughs> but as believers, guess what? We knew we were desperately in need for forgiveness. We knew that. Mm. God showed us that. He convicted us of that with his word, with a with a brother or sister in Christ who spoke into our lives. We were broken of our sins and we trusted in Christ. And since then, we've been sanctified. But today, you, you may be saying, well, I, I that's not in my life. You know, I'm, I'm not being sanctified. I've never been broken in my sin. I, I, yeah, I've been sorry for my sin, but I've never had a godly sorrow for my sin. I've not, not understood that I've, I've sinned against a, a holy God. You know, if you haven't done that, then you're unregenerate. You're not of Christ. You're not been born again. He, he commands you to be born again today. I would say if you're not that, drive safely today. Hmm. But it's free. It's a free gift. Of salvation, it just it just cost you your life, basically. Yeah, you know, obedient to Him. Now, do you want to be a slave to sin? Do you want to be a slave to Christ? It, it costs you the sinful part of your life. Yeah, you know, I've said it before, but uh, you know, the Christian life is 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 probably the hardest life to live because of the constant uh, temptation and 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 Satan trying to take you off the path. Uh, not that he's going to win you back, but he wants to keep your eye off of, of, of Christ. He wants to delay your sanctification. It, it, so it's probably the hardest life to live, but it sure is the best life it, to live. Absolutely. Wouldn't you want to be in that life, right? Yeah. I mean, enslaved to Christ. There's nothing bad that comes with that uh, death upon this earth. But guess what? You're going to die as a sinner anyway. You, you, well, there's not, yeah. you know, there's no, there's no escaping yeah. the physical death. Absence from the body as a believer is presence with the Lord. Oh, amen. You know, so so the worst thing that can happen is you die. But guess where you'll be, Mike? That's right. You know, 
Amen. Would you have anything to add? Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I mean, anyway. I'm having a moment over here. Are you? I'm, I'm like taking it in. <laughs> Whatever. You're so condescending. I believe he's getting no, saved. I'm not. Man. I mean, I'm really, the way you laid out is, it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. and, and look, it's not you. It's not your no. story. It's God's story. Yeah, oh, that's good. He's the one that saved us. And so just to listen, I think as Christians, we, it's almost like rain on a tin roof. Sometimes you hear the gospel so much, but, but as a believer, look. That's beautiful. It don't matter how many times right. you hear it. It is gorgeous to hear the gospel and to hear it hear it spoken by a brother. I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to mess with your joke. I mean, it was. I mean, it's a beautiful representation of the gospel, and I, I love you for it. Love you, brother. Well, we joke so much, it's hard to tell when we're, you know, like, I don't know if we serious or not. But, but anyway, what a good word, Jim. You got anything to add? No, no. I just, I just appreciate you guys for your, for being here and your preparation. I thank you for, uh, for the listeners for, for listening and continuing on with us. I know sometimes we chase rabbits and we jump from here to there, but this word is so beautiful that I think we try to stay on path and, and we don't want to lose you. So hopefully you, you stay with us and uh, you continue to study with us. Next week's going to be good. Next week's going to be really, yeah. really good. One of those verses that that gets quoted so many times, mm-hmm. but does it get quoted in context? That's that's. As I was reading that, that's a good, I'm going to let it hang there, bro. <laughs> you can cut that out even if you want to, but I like that. That's yeah. good. Good teaser. So make sure you tune in next week as we wrap up chapter six in Romans, uh, headed to some big stuff, headed to some big stuff. Excited. Pray for Phil that he comes back, too. We'd love to have the brother back. We can have four guys on next time. <laughs> yeah, it would be great to, to have Phil return no. to the show. Y'all be praying for him. Love well, guys, listen, uh, we, we got to wrap this up. We've definitely, we're out of time. We're over time. But, uh, listen, if you, if you'll tune in, uh, to lifesongradio.com, uh, you can catch all of the past episodes. You can keep up with all the happenings there at lifesongradio.com. Mike, will you close us? Yeah, absolutely. Father, Lord, we're so thankful for who you are. Thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, and his work on the cross. Lord, I just ask the things that we don't know, Lord, that you would make them known to us. Father, that that we are not, Lord, make us into that. Make us into a, a a believer, Lord, who seeks to glorify you. Father, that's the purpose by which we were created, is to bring glory to your name, Lord, and just to enjoy you forever. And so, uh, Lord, I am. I'm thankful to be here uh, with Blake and Jimmy and, and our listeners and just to just to enjoy walking through your word, just to dine on your word, Father. Uh, we know it to be true. We know it to be absolute truth, Father. We apply it. We walk it out in our lives. Father, thank you for saving us from sin. Thank you for saving us in our sin nature, who we were in Adam. And Father, thank for your son who bought us off the slave block with a with a purchase price, Father, that is unimaginable, Father. It is his blood being shed on the cross for us, his atoning work, Lord. And through that, Father, we have been justified before you. There's nothing greater in this world than than to stand before you white as snow, Father, with our sins cast as far as the east is from the west. So, Lord, we give thanks to you. And, Lord, we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.